0: protest rallies and marches continue every day in cities across America. In fact, the New York Times said more than 2,000 cities have hosted these protests. And we've talked about it now for three weeks. We've talked about how we can talk with our families about race in America and how we truly can inspire change. The question is though, after all these marches and all this talk, is anyone actually going to take action? Becoming better parents, partners, and people, this is the Positively Dad Podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm James Shaw, host of Positively Dad. My wife, Terry and I are the proud parents of a rising third grader. Her name's Naomi, and I started Positively Dad in 2019 to be a resource to you. We do two podcasts every single week. On Monday, we talk to an expert about something to help us grow, and on Thursdays, we talk to a dad about being a dad. And our mission is to help fathers become better parents, better partners, and better people. And we intend to do that today. We've been focusing on race in America over our last several episodes. Really how we as dads can can talk with our families about everything we're seeing in our country right now, and how we can lead them through this. How we can be someone who truly inspires change. And, uh, and it's been a great conversation. I've learned a lot. I trust you have as well. We kicked it off a couple of weeks ago when I talked with Andrew Grant Thomas from Embrace Race about where we are today and how we can move forward. We talked about how we walk our kids through everything that's going on and what we've seen over the last few weeks and then the underlying racial injustice that's been part of America's history for 400 and plus years. And then we've continued these conversations by talking with fathers from all backgrounds about raising kids today. We talked with Eric Lindsay about raising uh, uh, two black boys in America. We, we talked with Derek Slack about, about teaching diversity and inclusion. Last week, we talked with Josh Gossard from Hagerstown, Maryland. He's a, a white dad married to a black woman with four biracial daughters and, and a grandson. And, and so we talked about our willingness to accept different perspectives and that being key to change. And so we're going to wrap up this series with a conversation today with a friend of mine, somebody I've known for a long time. His name's Emric Peace. And Emrick is, a, is a, a father, he's a business leader, and, and, and just an a all-around good guy. And when I asked for some people to help me through this conversation, Emrick raised his hand right away and said, I'd like to help you. And so I'm really excited to do it. And what Emrick's going to walk us through is, look, All of this stuff is great. we got to take action. We as dads have to take action. We've got to teach our kids to be able to take action because otherwise nothing changes. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the importance of taking action. So I'm excited to do it. Let's jump in. Emrick, hey, thanks so much for being on Positively Dad.
1: Ah, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Oh, you got it. Now,
0: as we get started, I always like to have people just tell us a little bit about their family before we get started.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Well, um, first off, let's start from the beginning. I come from a, uh, a single-parent household. I have five brothers. My dad died when I was two years old. So my mom raised five boys you know, wow. by herself in, in, in the inner city in West Baltimore. And one of the things about what we did and the way that we were raised, my mom was really adamant about making sure that uh, we always show respect and reverence to the people around us and made sure that we say, yes, sir, or, yes, ma'am, and, and extremely courteous. And uh, in that family dynamic, uh, for me, uh, my brothers were my dad. They made sure I stayed out of trouble. They made sure I did the things I was supposed to do. And um, they they were real clear about what should and what shouldn't happen for me. And that's helped me tremendously. Uh, for me, I am a twenty year 20 year, five month retired, uh, Air Force veteran, six times decorated. Uh, I've been in this real estate industry. This is my 28th year. Wow. And family wise, I have uh, a, a wife. I've been married for 33 years. I have two children. I have a 26 year old as of two days ago and I have a 28 year old, which is my son, my namesake. And then my daughter And uh, I just had a wife for 33 years. We, married, we met in junior high school. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so we've oh. been hanging out for 40 years, to be real, really honest with you. And so, you know, it's, it's just been a, it's been a great ride for me. And uh, from a family perspective, uh, we're close-knit, and which that's what everything has always been about for me. It, it, it is family because growing up with my brothers, that's what we had. We had each other. And so a sense of family is what I know, understand, and recognize, and live by.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being willing to chat with me. You and I have known each other a long time. We've been both part of mm-hmm. Keller Williams for a long time. And, and um, when I would posted that, that I, it's time for Positively Dad to do some episodes here, with uh, it's just time to have the conversation. You, you messaged me right away and said, let's do it. So thanks for being on. What prompted you to say, hey, I want to jump on?
1: Well, because it's perspective perspective works a lot of different ways, and the truth is perspective and perception and in my space of where I am based on what you were saying it's i think it's all about perspective and it's it's more about perception even more than perspective, because we see things and everything that we see is not what it appears to be. And I just believe that I could add some value to the conversation by bringing a perspective to the perception. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. Well, I mean they
0: they go in they uh, I remember learning, I mean we we teach it in bold and Diana Kokoska would say to us that your perception and perspective they they equal each other. They go in alignment. And um and so we've got a lot of perceptions, Emrick, right now. <laughs> A lot of thoughts going on from a lot of people,
1: right. and,
0: um, and, it, it and it's an important conversation. So I guess if you look at perspective and perception, where does that conversation begin? I mean, because everybody has their own.
1: Well, I, I, I believe that, you know, the first question is, what's your perception of this? Uh, because everybody has, everybody lives and everybody has things that have influenced their life in different ways. And then once based on your perception, then and based on your perspective, it, they, they, just, they mirror and match each other. So which, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, but most of the time it's, it's, it's your, perspective, your perspective that shapes your, in my opinion, shapes your perception.
0: Yeah. So we've got to maybe work on that for some and, and have a dialogue around it. So Absolutely. you said to me when I said, what's our, you know, what's our conversation? I think what you said was, if this is important to you, then take action.
1: Yes. Tell it, me more it, about that. Well, the, the reason why I say that is that, you know, even even right now, right? We have never, we haven't even said the real What's the underlying conversation that we're having right now, right? So we're, we're there's an, there's an assumed conversation that we're having, and, and the truth is um, we've been t- the things that are going on in the world right now. It's nothing new. The only difference is it's being filmed, right? And in some cases, we see things happening, and we either pretend they didn't happen, we ignore it, or we say I'm just going to mind my business. And that's what happens either. And sometimes we don't want to deal with it because it's people that are close to us. It's our close friends and family. The truth is, you know, if it really matters to you, then take action because at the end of the day, particularly for me as, as a veteran, as somebody who said, uh, I'm sworn to defend the constitution and follow those, the orders of those appointed over me. So help me God. And I'm willing to give my life in the defense of the Constitution, right? That's a, that's a heavy oath right there. And so I don't take it lightly that the conditions that I have to endure after willing to give the ultimate sacrifice of my life to defend, I don't take it lightly uh, as far as the actions that people take or the promise that's unfulfilled um, as being an equal citizen. And I don't think anybody else should either, because injustice for one person is really injustice for everybody. Because at a certain point, you know, what happens when somebody's coming for you and there's nobody there to defend you? How does that feel? And so at a certain point, we have to understand and we have to take action because, you know, words are just auditory BS. Let's stop me and lip service and let's get into action
0: there's a lot of words right now, a lot of people saying a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I think that the question we have to ask is that there are people who watch this video and go, how is this still happening in 2020? And there are people that are going, what do you mean how is this still happening in 2020? Like this is a 400 year old problem. So how do we create, I guess, awareness first for people who are surprised and then get into action?
1: But really, I, I don't. I, if you want to be honest, I don't think we have to create awareness, because we've seen videos for years, right? Uh, it doesn't matter what channel you turn. At some point in time, it comes up. The challenge that becomes that everybody said, well, if people say, well, it doesn't affect me, so it doesn't really matter to me. And by the same token, um, we have to say that. If this is happening somewhere it's just a matter of time before it happens close to me
0: it's not just happening in minneapolis it's happening in every town in america it's happened in baltimore you know this is and so i guess it's admitting that it's closer to you even though it feels like that it's removed
1: it happened in Mm -hmm. sanford Mm -hmm. you know and so you know at that place you know no matter where you are in the country it's just a matter of, and, and I'm for, we don't want to go to that place where you say, well, wait till it gets filmed here. It's happening there. And just so we're transparent, you know, this is, this is, a, this is a longstanding practice. You can go back and you can just you can just say civil rights. You can just type in uh, uh, YouTube and say civil rights movement. And you see some of the same things happening 40, 50, 50 years ago, 55 mm-hmm. years ago. And so that's how it's still happening. It's an, it's an issue that uh, the masses have turned a blind eye to, right? The masses haven't really looked at it because quite frankly, it doesn't affect me and it's not in my neighborhood or it doesn't affect my livelihood or it doesn't affect my family. So it's okay.
0: So open not your o- eyes. I shouldn't say
1: it's okay. I'm not saying it's uh-huh. okay. Uh, I choose not to take action. 100. okay yeah
0: because i i don't think that many people would look at what happened
1: right. to george it,
0: floyd okay. and go that's okay yeah no. so <laughs> exactly. um, or or brianna taylor or any, i mean i don't think anybody would look in that and go that well there are some people might there is a very small group of people right um the majority of people would not say it's okay what what i think I, what i'm hearing you say though is um don't look away don't look don't away. look away uh, and and and, be, and recognize it and then do something. Like, like, right. do more than post a a quote on your on your Facebook page that you may not even actually understand the meaning of anyway, right. and and actually do something. Is that what you're saying?
1: The, and that's what I'm saying. And then the, the the real action, the real action comes is that when people are in your space and they're conducting themselves in that manner, we have to let people know that that's not okay. Because here's yeah. what happens, and I found myself in a situation. Yesterday, um, where I had to diffuse certain conversations, because if you don't diffuse the conversation or you don't say something to the contrary, then the mob effect kicks in. Mm-hmm. And then that one unfortunate conversation turns into somebody agreeing with them. And then once the one person, the second person, even the third person. I don't know if you've ever watched that, that video about the dancer on the hill. You ever watched the video of Dancer dance on the hill? There's one crazy guy dancing on the hill and then another person joins and then another person joins. And then within about a matter of five minutes, you have the mob effect where you have hundreds of people dancing on the hill. And it all started with one crazy guy. It's the same thing with conversations. There's one conversation And if nobody checked the conversation, then another person joins the conversation. And then the next thing you know, you have five or six people, 10 people in the conversation. Now you have the mob effect. Once you get the mob effect, it's out of control. You can't even, you can't, you can't harness the energy. And so when you say that thing to that one person, you control the mob effect and you let them know that's not okay.
0: It's not okay. So speak up, speak up, speak take up. action and, and back up, you know, what, what your Facebook post is or whatever. Exactly. All right. I, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. So, uh, and, and by the way, I, I, you know, that's what we're attempting to do on the podcast right now.
1: Let me correct. That's not what you're attempting. That's what you are doing because you're taking action by having the conversation.
0: Right. Yeah. We got to have them as uncomfortable as they are, we gotta have them. And um, so let's talk about it from a dad's perspective. Okay. Because you're a dad, you're a dad of two. You have, I imagine, had conversations with your kids that I won't have to have with Naomi. I mean, you, Naomi and I aren't gonna have to have the conversation had with your son <laughs> and your daughter uh, right. on some of them. What's your, what are your thoughts and your advice and what, what do you wanna say to dads in moments like this?
1: There's so much emotion around that question right there. Because, and again, I'm being transparent. I'm only being me. And so here's what I would say. It's called the talk, right? Mm -hmm. If you go into the black community and say, have you had the talk? What talk? The black male talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had it. I had it. And this is a conversation I've been having with my son, particularly, since he was 13 years old, about how he has to conduct himself because he's a big guy is how he has to conduct himself to make sure that he is not perceived as a threat. You are having this conversation with a 13-year-old, they can get it, but they don't really grasp it because you're trying to tell them that some people may not care much for you and who you are because of who you are. And therefore, if you have to conduct yourself in this way, even though very respectable, you have to make sure that you are always, you always take a non-aggressive posture or you don't perceive to take an aggressive posture because um, all people don't view you the same. Now we fast forward five years, four years later and he starts driving. And so as a, I have to have another conversation, you're driving. If the police, if the police pull you over, when the police pull you over, make sure that you have your hands at 10 and two and on the wheel, and make sure that your fingers are open web. Make sure that you have your driver's license and your registration already in your hand so that you don't have to reach for anything, so there's no misperception about what's happening for you. The same situation, no matter if you think you, you believe you're right or you're wrong, it doesn't matter. Don't get argumentative. Don't be argumentative. Yes, sir. No, sir. It's your job to make it home safe. Just imagine having that. Now, again, that's my son. And I still have to have a similar conversation with my daughter because it, the perception is there. And to be really transparent with you, I'm 55 years old, professional, pretty well accomplished, yep. retired military man, wearing a bow tie. Yes, And, a, and, I, and I'm just breaking it down in a custom suit, driving a Mercedes Benz, and when I get pulled over by the police, I still have the same visceral effect of what might happen to me. And I, the same thing I tell my son, my responsibility is to make it home safe.
0: And this is a conversation happening in just about every black family in America.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you, you don't have a choice because you, you, you can't leave it to chance that the officer that if, if, if it's a, if it's a traffic, in fact, fraction, that the officer that pulled you over is going to be a neutral officer.
0: So what's your advice to white parents?
1: Uh, uh, be sympathetic, be sympathetic and understand the perspective of what actually happens. And then, then again, and make sure that, you know, that you educate your children, because all of this starts at home at the end of the day. (laughs) It starts at home. Make sure you educate your children about remaining neutral and stay out of judgment and remain in curiosity. Because everything that looks a certain way is not as it appears to be, particularly with people.
0: Do your best to remove judgment Yes. Maybe be aware of any bias you might have, whether it's purposeful or not. And um, just change the way you're looking at things. That's what you're saying. Yeah,
1: change the way you look at things. And 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 again, the other part is just measure and monitor your conversations that you have with your kids that may not be of the most positive nature about people. Well, tell me more about that. Well, you know... It's difficult, and I'm saying this, and quite frankly, sometimes you're saying this to people who already have a bias. Um, This conversation that we have, that already have a bias. You know, there's already a built-in bias just based on their upbringing and their personal uh, interactions and perception. And at the end of the day, you can't throw a blanket over everybody and assume that they're all in one bucket just by the color of their skin, just by their sexual orientation, just by anything, because everybody's different. Everybody's different. So uh, we just have to remain neutral. I know in my space, I can't go around and assume that everybody, you know, I'm just going to be transparent. Every white person doesn't like black people. I have to give you the benefit of the doubt until you do something or say something that's to the contrary. Yeah, well, bother. I mean, I... I
0: will reveal myself to you based on what right, I say yeah. and the actions that I take. Yeah. So it, it, myself. Now, the the question I guess is, am I aware? So if if I've got an underlying bias that I'm not aware of, right, then that's one thing. And, and we all have a bias. Oh uh, the, no, the, Yeah. Mm. I mean, we talked. We talked the uh I, the episode that that I did to kick off the series. I talked with. Um, Andrew Grant Thomas, who runs an organization called Embrace Race. And we spent a long time talking about the Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper situation in Central Parks, where Amy has her dog off the leash and, and Christian Cooper, unrelated, asked, asked her to, to put the dog on the leash. And, and, and the point in that was, in some way, all of us are Amy Cooper. We've all got some kind of bias. We've got to become aware of what it is.
1: Right. And, and, and you know, the, the truth is, most of the time, I want you to just think about this for a second. Um, when you're in a neutral situation and the bias comes up, a lot of times um, it doesn't always feel good. You just don't know why it doesn't feel good, and we 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 ignore it and we go into a mode of coping and say that's just the way it is, and we keep moving. Sometimes we just have to just pause for a second and just if we could just find a way to flip that around and say, what if that were me? Or what if that was my child? Would I want someone to feel that way about my child?
0: Well, and what I also heard you say earlier is it within your network, your community, the people you hang out with, right? that if something comes up and you think it's inappropriate or out of line, or you should say something.
1: Yeah. 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 It, take action. It, it, it take action. At least, and you know what? Many times, we, all it takes is that you you start a dialogue. However, it's uncomfortable to yeah. start that dialogue yeah. Yeah. because these are, a lot of times, these are the people who we know and we love, and we just say, well, that's, that's just so-and-so being so-and-so. Um, the, the well, that's more, a
0: convenient excuse, Emmerich. That that just becomes a convenient excuse to ignore something. That if we're gonna if we're gonna run around and say this is not fair, this isn't right, we need change in America. Then we can't right. also say, well, so and so is just being so
1: and so. Right. Exactly. And the the our silence is what is our silence is a complicit action to whatever's going on around us.
0: You know, and I'd heard that a lot, and I thought, well. Like it didn't really honestly Emre, click with me until all of the protests, most of them very peaceful, some not, right. and, and the different things. Like it didn't really click with me that silence is being complicit. Like it was this weekend I realized it because I, I looked around and I thought, and I don't know, maybe you can tell me, this particular time feels different to me. When I look at the protests of people walking, I see a lot more white people in there. I see families um i see police officers saying that what happened was wrong i see police officers kneeling in the streets two years ago if you were kneeling that was like the worst thing you could do and now we have police officers kneeling and i I just i feel like it's different is it different in
1: your eyes emmerich It, it is different it is different in some ways it's different from my outward perspective um but if, to be transparent, internally it's not different. It's not different because these are the things that I've grown up with. These are the things that I've seen and I've heard of. I've been hearing for 40 years, you know, 50 years. And so I, I've, to be quite honest, I've I've always been taught to fear the police. I just have, even as a child growing up in the, coming out of the inner city. Leave the police alone. And even if we had the officer friendly program, officer friendly was the only friendly o- <laughs> was the only <laughs> friendly officer. But again, um, it's different because I made a statement on my page. I said, you know, mar- you know, black people have been marching for sixty-five years about some of this, the same issues, right? And what I said is marching. With no money, doesn't matter. Marching with no money doesn't matter, and what that really means is that until the masses or the people who have resources and have means begin to join the march, the march really doesn't matter. Because to be really truthful and honest, it's it's a it, part of it is the economic conversation, mm-hmm. right? And until yep. It's the it's the nature of American. I, I I trust me. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Somebody say I'm un-American. I've, I've 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 I was willing to give the ultimate sacrifice of my life for the defense of this country. And so, if you know anything about what happens, until you hit certain segments of America in their pocket and it affects them financially, it doesn't bother them, right? And what I've said is that. in in all transparency, no one would ever think about doing anything that is contrary to the agenda of the Anti-Defamation League. And the reason being is that anytime something happened in that space, they hit you financially, and they let you know that you were off base, and we're gonna make you pay for that financially, and everybody begins to apologize. And so, in that space, that's the reason why I say you know, marching without money doesn't matter because we're a capitalist society. And that's so, who are you talking
0: just... to? Who are you talking to then when you say marching doesn't matter without money? Whose attention are, are you attempting to get so that this can be a moment that really does make for some systematic change in America?
1: It is. It's a generic message. My my audience at that at that point really it it was a just to be quite frank it was a black community message Mm -hmm. um of making sure or doing the best that you can ensure ensure that there's some type of financial stability around what you're doing because the truth is 65 years police brutality we've been marching nothing else has changed you even said it a minute ago you said this feels different because you see a lot of whites, you see a lot of families, um, which equates at the end of the day, equates to across the board, it equates to more money, it equates to a bigger vision. Now it matters because we're seeing the diversity and we're seeing that that it's really affecting people in a different way. And part of it at the end of the day is about finances. And resources, yes. the ability. A matter of fact, I mean, the 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 governor of um, Minnesota said something. He made a statement. He said he he touted all of these stats about Minnesota. We're first in this. We're second in this. We're third in this. And then he he he, he gave the, the the flip side that he said, as long as you're white, when you're black, we fall in the lower categories of these things. And so. It's that invisible part sometimes uh, in that environment, if if you don't if you don't have money, you don't matter. Now, let's make this clear. In America, white, black, green, purple, if you don't have money, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so when you're in the lower end of the socioeconomic scale, nobody sees you. You're invisible. And that's
0: part of the problem.
1: That's part of the that's problem.
0: Right. That's part of the problem. I asked just because, I, I mean, Don Lemon, I was watching Don Lemon, and he's calling people out by name going, where are you? Right. I mean, just calling people out by name. You know, you need to speak up. Where are you? And then everyone he was calling out by name are, you know, wealthy, high-profile people. So that's, that's why I asked the question. He said, marching, you've got to step up. You have to speak.
1: Marching without money doesn't matter. And yeah. so the higher the profile of the person who's engaged in your activity excuse me, in your activities, yeah. the more attention it gets.
0: Okay. This is eye opening for me. I appreciate you being willing to share. I want to put a bow on it and I always ask the same kind of question to wrap things up. And I go, what's wow. the, what's the take home message? If you're sitting down with a dad and you got a couple of minutes with a dad, right. uh, what is the take home message you want him to get from our conversation?
1: The take home message is, Uh, If you really want, if you truly want to affect change, take action. Take action at home first, because that's where you can have the most dramatic impact is in your house. If you're taking care of your house, now you can step outside the community. If you're taking care of your house, you can start having conversations up with your. Well, you should still have these conversations with your friends and your family, no matter what, when they're saying things that you believe to be inappropriate. So take action in your immediate space, take home in your, take action in your home, take action in, in your social circle. Um, just take action locally and hyper-locally first before you step outside of that space because so many times people take, try to take this big action outside of where they are and it's immediate as long as that's present in their face. But then when the presence and immediate presence die down they don't take the same action because they're not as emotionally invested outside of their home and their relationships as they are inside their home and inside their relationships and it really is take action and, and and be the change you want to see that well that and that is the ultimate
0: question: What happens a few weeks from now? What happens three months from now? What happens a year from now um you know, we we shall see, and um, and so let's turn our words into actions. Emrick, thanks so much for sharing. Thanks, thanks, thanks so for being much, on. Man. Thanks for being transparent.
1: Yeah, and I, and I I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate the voice, and I appreciate your listeners' voice because you know this is a community effort. This is this is all of us. This is all of us. Better people, better relationships, give us a better America.
0: What a powerful conversation with Emmerich, um, and I'm so thankful he took the time to share with us. You know, this is our opportunity to take action, and there's many ways that we can do it. In our house first, we take action in our house first, just like he said at the end. What conversations are we having at home? What are we teaching our kids? Who in our family are we holding accountable to the things that they say? How are we showing, uh, how are we becoming aware of um, Different biases, and then sharing those with others so that they're aware. Because you know, I find sometimes people say stuff and they just don't realize it. They don't know. And and so if we are willing to go, whoa, hold up, let me, what, what, let's talk about that for a second. Let's look at that. What do you think that might mean? Like when we have those types of conversations, we create a whole new opportunity. And then here's the other one. He talked about you know money getting involved, and I think we've seen that. You've seen corporations jump on and support. And there seems to be a different message there. And and protests are continuing. And, and where I live in, in Pinellas County, Florida, in St. Petersburg, they have one every single day at 2 p.m. and people are still showing up. So the voices are still there and the corporations are getting there too. And we're starting to see some change. The question is, though, how are you showing up in your house to create change? What awareness are you yourself getting? What books are you reading what documentaries are you watching? What are you teaching your kids? That's the thing we got to think about. I hope this series has been helpful to you. We have spent uh, you know, the last three weeks all in on looking at race in america and 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 how we can really take this moment and make it a movement. And so I trust you've gotten some value out of it. If you did, would you share any of the episodes that you've heard with people that you think, would get some value from it as well. And finally, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode. And if you rate us, more people will know about us. We would really love that. And then we're all over social media. So if you'd connect with us on there as well, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us by searching at Positively Dad. All right. That's it for this week. I want to thank you for listening. I'm James Shaw. We'll talk to you next time on Positively Dad. Bye-bye.